everyone and welcome to another interesting episode of Page of Reason. Today is Friday. I know it's Friday, November 16th, 2018. This is episode 34. This is the official episode, not the news. Before I go into the show, I'd like to mention my book once again, Beyond the Obscure. Uh, please get it. It's a very interesting book. I spent a lot of time working on it. There was something quite interesting and I commented on it and... Um, well, here's what I wrote, basically. It's with my dad. My dad got, got it, of course, and my mom as well. Um, I said, you know, thanks for getting my book, but it's just interesting that I have nearly 230 contacts on Facebook, and I know that's not a lot. Some people have the maximum allowed, 5,000. And Age of Reason page has about 16,000 followers. And... Really? Nobody is buying it? That's just kind of odd. So I said, you know, I don't expect to become a best-selling author anytime soon. But I mean, come on, this is just a little bit ridiculous. What are people buying instead? Uh, so my dad said, and I totally agree with what he says here. He says, indeed, this is very disappointing. But the truth is that many don't care. And many don't think for a second that there's a very simple and not expensive way to acknowledge the efforts and the time of a person who took pains to create something. Totally agree with that. Anyway, it's a good book. Please support independent art. It's it's really gonna die if people just ignore it. You know, celebrities don't need more money. They have enough money. CNN, um, MSNBC, they don't need more money. They already have plenty. They're already swimming in cash. So just think about that. Today, what I'm gonna talk about is uh, mental health care. So the first thing I'd like to mention is that I am not a doctor. So... Just bear that in mind, although my partner is, uh, like, actually a doctor. Although not a mental health doctor, not a psychiatrist or psychologist. But myself, I have experience with mental health care. Um, I experience, well, I actually have chronic depression. I'm, uh, on top of that, I'm extremely sick right now, actually. I, I recently just dropped under 60 kilos, and for my height it's extremely extremely low so you know i don't want to play the morbid card too much but i just don't know how long i'm going to be around so these i wonder i'm starting to wonder about my legacy what exactly am i leaving behind i have no children and so the only thing i can leave behind is my art and my knowledge so but but for that people have to engage so that has to happen. And so I do have chronic depression and uh, I will talk about it more as we go on. But people really don't understand depression. And that's just a shame because a lot of people are misunderstood and they have to suffer a long time because of, of society basically not understanding the actual problem. Before we start, just a little bit of a light note as always before we go into the show. It's just a meme I found. It's pretty funny. Uh, so this guy throws the ball to, to the dog and says, you know, chase the ball and the, doesn't throw the ball. The dog chases the ball, the invisible ball, I should say. And the guy says, stupid dog. And then the same thing happens with the person. So he says, go, son, chase your dreams. You can do anything. And then the kid runs away chasing his invisible dream and... The old man just says, stupid kid. So 
I just thought it's pretty funny and you know I live in Japan and um, a lot of the English teachers that come to to Japan they kind of promote this whole um, American idea so in America having a dream is it seems to be really important for some reason but what happens is that usually people set themselves such a dream that is absolutely unreachable and so in the end actually they get depressed because they they put their entire life's effort into this one thing and it just collapses in front of their eyes and that may also result in depression so i just thought it's it's pretty relevant to the discussion today okay i'm gonna start with this this is an article that was posted on cnn and then i'm gonna jump into another article so just to compare how different countries are actually tackling the problem or are they even tackling it at all let's see so in the states every day 22 veterans take their own lives that's a suicide every 65 minutes as shocking as the number is it may actually be higher part of the problem she says is that there is no uniform reporting system for deaths in america it's usually up to the funeral director or a coroner to enter veteran status and suicide on death certificate veteran status is a single question on the death rep report and there is no verification of it from the defense department or the va birth and death certificates are only as good as the information that is entered which says there is under reporting how much i don't know so again this is just facts this is how it's going on a recent analysis by news 21 an investigative multimedia program for journalist students found that the annual suicide rate among veterans is about 30 for every 100,000 of the population, compared with the civilian rate of 14 per 100,000. The analysis of records from 48 sta states found that the suicide rate for veterans increased an average of 2.6% a year from 2005 to 2011. So just to put that those dates into context, uh, we're talking basically about the, the, you know, after the Iraq war, uh, right in the middle of the Afghanistan war, uh, now, the results are coming in, and the results are worrying. Nearly one of, in five suicides nationally is a veteran, even though veterans make up about 10% of the U.S. population, the analysis found. More than 69% of all veteran suicides were amongst those 50 or older. Mental health professionals said one reason could be that these men give up on their life after their children are out of the house or a long-time marriage falls apart. They are also likely to be Vietnam veterans who returned from a war to a hostile public and an unresponsive VA. Combat stress was choked up to being crazy and many Vietnam veterans lived with ghosts in their heads without seeking help. So, so this point here is, is precisely what I wanted to mention before. Uh, people don't understand depression really or PTSD. Uh, even in my family, like my mother, for example, doesn't really still get it. She thinks, oh, you're just feeling down. You're just feeling sad. You, all you need is to go outside and just go for a walk and get fresh air, whatever that means, as if we have fresh air living even in an urban area like that. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is not about having walks or having good sex or diet, although, of course, all these things help, but this is a... A deeper problem everything can be absolutely okay in general speaking I mean you can have enough financial security um, you know your friends 
are doing well and you're doing well, your health is good, but you're feeling bad. And, and that is not something you can just show up, you know, to a doctor and tell him about that. It's, it's very, very difficult to, to, to kind of grasp that concept. And this particular point that they raise about Vietnam, it reminded me of this movie called Jacob's Ladder. And I just wanted to thank uh, James for introducing me to that film in the first place. It's actually a really good movie. There, there's a lot of, uh, it's very creative. There, there's a lot of stuff that, go that goes on, but this, the bulk of the story is this guy who comes back from Vietnam. He's seen absolute horrors there. He comes back to the States and he absolutely struggles to get back into regular rhythm. I don't think these people are able to just return to normal. There are certain things which you don't forget. If you see your people, if you see your close friends there uh, in, in the battlefield being just torn apart to shreds, uh, that's going to change you. That, that's just going to change you. That's a fact of life. There, you have to be some kind of almost a machine to be absolutely immune to these type of things, I, I guess. I just thought it would be relevant to mention this movie. Even though more older veterans are committing suicide, it's difficult to predict what the toll of America's newest wars will be. So it, that's, again, the article is a bit old. So we don't know the result of the constant perpetual wars that the U.S. is plunging itself into. A survey by Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America showed that 30% of service members have considered taking their own life and 45% said they know an Iraq or Afghanistan veteran who has attempted suicide. Since we're talking about the army, so I know there are people, well, I mean, there are Americans who are just very, you know, enthusiastic about the army and, and supporting the, the troops and all of that. But uh, really, the question is, what exactly are you supporting? Because the U.S. government and in other governments as well, okay, it's not, I'm just, I'm not just talking, I'm not singling out the U.S., okay? But since we're talking about the U.S. here, um, really, you have to think about the impact of, the, you know, the CIA's policies, FBI's policies on international politics. You know, when you, you have a coup and you, place a dictator in, like in Chile, in Pinochet, and then he goes around and kills ten tens of thousands of people because the CIA put him there. Well, are you really proud of that? I mean, is that really something to, you know, to be happy about? And the same about the wars. So let's talk about the war in Iraq, which were, was a war for oil, okay? It's not about removing Saddam or anything like that or bringing freedom. I mean, come on, that's just a... That's a stupid propaganda line that they sold to the people. And the people bought it, for the most part. Because old lessons never get learned, apparently. So, war for oil, that's Iraq. And Afghanistan was a war over drugs. It was a war from, for the pharmaceutical industrial complex. I mean, I, I could say, really. So, you talk to the people there and they tell you, okay, so why did we go in Afghanistan? It's not to fight the terrorists. It's not to fight the 9-11 hijackers because they didn't even come from Afghanistan. Most of these guys came from Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia are our big bodies apparently. Why? Because of oil. Again, it's all about the petrodollar. And Afghanistan was about the drugs. The Taliban started 
burning fields of, of um, opium, if I'm not wrong. And the American pharmaceutical companies couldn't have that because they need that. I mean, a lot of their products rely on it. So, so they, they forced their way into the war. Was it, did anyone tell the people about that? No, of course not. They sold you the bullshit line that we have to go in there and fight terrorists. Like, you know, Osama is there, even though he wasn't. He was in Pakistan. Everything is propaganda. So be careful. I, people really don't learn the, the lessons of the past. It's incredible. It's, you don't even need to spend a lot, a lot of time researching these things. It doesn't take a long time. President Barack Obama says that there is a need to end this epidemic of suicide among our veterans and troops. In August 2012, he signed an executive, executive order calling for stronger suicide prevention efforts. A year later, he announced $107 million in new funding for better mental health treatment for veterans with post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury, signature injuries of the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, of course. Well, first of all, I'm not sure exactly what this figure, 107 million, is and for how long it is. What all I know is that when Reagan was president, he was an absolute bastard to the unions and to the mentally ill. He basically closed, well, even when he was a governor, he basically shut down mental clinics because it would save money. So basically, let's shut them down. Let's throw these, well, unstable people out in the streets and that's going to be fun, right? Especially in America where everybody can get a gun easily. So that worked for saving money. So he said, oh, that's great. Let's just take it nationally now. So that started to happen on a national scale when he became a president. So a bunch of people were just thrown out of these mental institutes and the country never really recovered from that. The, the effort is nowhere near what's necessary. Obama, come on, we talked about him on the show already before. We did an in-depth analysis of his, of his policies and it's true that some policies will, I mean, are still kind of taking effect. I think, for example, Trump is benefiting from, from the job creation. That's not, you know, his doing. That's probably, most likely that is Obama's policies still in place and helping some people at least. But I mean, come on, Obama though, he, he expanded the wars. We went from two to seven. He ran out of bombs in Syria because he bombed it like crazy. He made the banks bigger. Really, it's just a corporate tool once again. We, everybody, I think, most people when Obama became president were expecting big changes because, wow, you know, this is the first black president and surely something is going to change. And really not a lot changed. It's true, yeah, he, was, he had opposition. There was a lot of opposition, that's true. But at the beginning, they owned, I think, both the House and the Senate. And it couldn't pass anything really meaningful. So there's this song by Tupac. I think it was made in the early 90s or something. It's called Changes. And in that song, he says that we ain't ready for a black president yet. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that, but I just don't think Obama was what would be considered a, a black president. I think, you know, if it's a social warrior and advocating for change and social justice, um, 
really kind of responding to the people's need, well then, okay, then he fulfilled his promises, I guess, but we just didn't see that. We just saw a continuation of the corporate machine which is destroying America. Let's talk about the UK. This article comes from the Greater Manchester News. I actually lived in Manchester for three years, so I know it pretty well. I'm, I'm not really aware of the health situation, but let's talk about this. So the article's title is Mental Health Problems Are Killing People, But It's Getting Harder to Get Help. What's going on? It was once considered a taboo subject, but while many of us are now talking openly about mental health problems, treatment services are still struggling to keep up. Waiting months or even years to see a specialist, the frustration of negotiating the bewildering maze of mental health services and constantly being bounced around between different organizations. Okay, so again, this is in the UK. I, I'm actually not sure what the situation, say, in Japan is, uh, but I, I guess in the UK they have a lot of these companies, organizations, and they all have their own fees, I suppose. But when you're, when you're depressed or you have PTSD or something like that, all you want is help. You, you don't have the time to go around and, and do market research, you know? In an ideal world, sure, why not? But we don't live in an ideal world, far from it. And they do mention here that the, the, to, to see a specialist takes forever. And I know that from, okay, this does happen in Japan as well. I know this from one case in Canada because my friend was seeking help and he couldn't get it because of certain connections i was able to see a specialist well very quickly actually but i don't think that's fair though i'm not saying you know that's necessarily fair i'm just saying that's the way it is and for some reason siri activated i wasn't talking to the phone i didn't even push the button but i guess i am being spied on so what's going on? NHS Mental Health Services has been underfunded for decades, Elizabeth Simpson, service director at mental health charity Manchester Mind, told the MEN. Uh, there is also a huge economic cost to poor mental health, and in Greater Manchester this is expected to reach £3.5 billion by 2021. It's not one in four of us will experience mental health problems at some point in our lives. So again, this is not something rare. and I there could be a host of various things that that influence this. I actually believe, for example, that our current addiction to screens is is gonna hurt us big time. It's just we don't have any data right now. We're all guinea pigs in this experiment. Suicide is the biggest killer of men under 49 in our region, and it's also the leading cause of death for people aged 15 to 29, according to the uh, Greater Manchester Suicide Prevention Strategy published last year. And for every person who takes their own life, another nine will attempt suicide. However, two-thirds of people who die by suicide are not in contact with mental health services. Gee, I wonder why. Perhaps it's because they can't get it. And even those that are in contact with mental health services are slipping through the cracks at times with devastating consequences. So now it's talking about certain case studies. So we're going to talk about several people who ex had this experience. So this person, he was treated for his physical injuries, but Aliyah says he was then discharged and told to make an appointment with his GP to discuss his mental health problems. Aliyah, 39, told the MEN Burnage, I don't know, it could be French, so Burnage perhaps. No, but it's Burnage, I'm pretty sure. Raised Paul, 
who had suffered from mental health problems for much of his teenage and adult life, was then prescribed antidepressants, I have them too, and referred to mental health services. After an initial assessment, the services wrote to him to offer him more help. Aliyah believes Paul either never received the letter or due to his problems didn't respond. Well, again, this is the thing. Sometimes when you're in a depressed state, you, you get certain letters, but you, you really don't feel like opening them and reading them. Man, sometimes it's even hard to get out of bed when you have depression. So talk about reading stuff. That's even harder. And because he didn't reply, mental health services automatically discharged him. Two months later, he was dead. Paul had been asking for help his whole life. But mental health is not like cancer. It is not like a physical ailment, which, as I said, it can't be identified under a magnifying glass. So you just end up being pushed from pillar to post. He was found hanging and was told to go see his GP. If you break your leg, you don't get told to see your GP. I really don't know why there isn't more help for mental health. Suicide is one of the biggest killers of men under 40 and it's getting worse. There really needs to be more hands-on help or there is going to be an epidemic. Yeah, so the antidepressant, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, for me, I think the one that I have, I have to take it three times a day or something. Uh, and maybe the first day or two, it doesn't do too much. But, but by the third day, I start to feel the effect. And what it does basically is make my, my brain really, really numb. So especially when I was writing the book, I told my, my partner, okay, I can't take an antidepressants right now because it makes me numb. And to write the story, to write about characters and their ordeals, I really need my full emotions, my full range of emotions. So sorry, I can't, uh, can't do medicine while I'm doing certain work. Dedicated mental health expertise was described as scarce, and there was also a lack of mental health expertise in GP, surgeries, and A&E departments, while delays in getting access to the right care were consistently reported. Anyone seeking help was also faced with a confusing number of organizations, the strategy published in 2016 reported. So this is a, about another person. He said, in fairness, my GP has been good, but trying to get help from other mental services has been really difficult. It took about 20 months from me, first going to the doctor before I got referred to CBT sessions. I had three lots of CBT sessions, but after that, it just fell off the cliff and I was back to square one. There is no help. It takes ages to see a specialist. Okay, so for people who don't understand, for example, in my case, what happens is that if I get a strong depression, it's very sudden. It doesn't build up, uh, you know, over weeks and so every day you feel worse and worse. No, it, it is quite sudden. And the way that it works on me anyway, is I actually start to hear this kind of hammer that goes in and bumps into my head and it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And and the pain is intense, but yeah, it's, it's not... A, a, it is hard to describe it to a medical professional unless that medical professional is trained in mental health services. But if you just talk to a, to a regular doctor, it's very unlikely that that person will understand what you're talking about. You, he might just say you're imagining things. If I had to wait 20 months, I can't wait 20 months. Man, that's over a year. 
I mean, are you kidding me? He said, I thought to myself, if I'm going through this, if I'm struggling to get help, then there must be plenty of other people in the same boat. Well, that's definitely true. I want the group to be a safety net for Rochdale. I want it to be a place where anyone can come and talk about what they're going through and share tips on how they cope while they're waiting to get professional help. I'm not angry with the NHS that people like me are having to do this because I think it's an issue for society as a whole. And this, the next part is very important. It's too big a problem for any one organization to handle. As a society, we have to be more caring and compassionate. There has to be a behavioral change. And that's really difficult. It won't happen overnight. People say all things about the internet, how amazing it is and how it opened the doors. I, I don't think it opened as many doors as they believe it did. Uh, what it definitely opened the door to is a lot of hatred. There is so much vitriol hate on the internet these days. And, you know, if you're saying some crappy ideas, okay, then it's fair that people criticize you. But people criticize others for everything these days. We're creating this culture and it's absolutely insane. Every healthcare has um, ups and downs. I think the US system has the most downs because people literally go broke if they seek help. Uh, I mean, man, people don't even call the ambulance because they can't afford it. I think a, a recent survey found that most Americans can't afford just a couple of hundreds of dollars of surgery. So there's that. Uh, so Canadian healthcare is not great, uh, but you know, neither is the Japanese. Another person here, Georgia 24 from Rushholm, has struggled with depression and anxiety since being a teenager. She moved to Manchester aged 18 to study at university and has been in and out of treatment ever since. Well, that's probably because of university. Yeah, don't worry there. I mean, man, university can be a traumatic experience for sure. Georgia, who asked us not to print her surname, told the MEN the mental health system is a maze and the more you need help, the harder it is to find. It's really disheartening and I know a lot of people who are in the same position. Georgia, who grew up in the Midlands, says her typical doctor's appointment lasts only about three minutes and ends with the GP trying to fob me off with a new prescription or just up my dose. There is no attempt to get to the root cause of my problems, she says. Well, actually, this happens in Japan as well. Depends which doctor you go to see. But some doctors, I mean, okay, let's face it, even in here, all the hospitals, it's a business. They all try to make money. So if you're a doctor and let's say you see 100 patients per day and most of them get a prescription and the business is doing well, you're going to sell a lot of medicine, right? And, and if on the other hand, though, if you only see 10 patients and maybe like two or three need medicine, the business is going to lose money. So it is a business, even in Japan, despite what people might say, the problems like that still exist here as well. They all try to sell a product. It's all about selling you the product. It's not about seeing you for a long time or not. It's all about the medicine. The money is in the medicine. The money is not in the cure. It was then Georgia says the support stopped. Since March, I've been trying to self-refer back to mental health services. Twice I've had a letter saying I've been discharged from the service because I didn't reply to a letter they claimed to have sent me saying I needed to book an appointment within 14 days. Uh, this is kind of an aside story, 
but I actually had trouble with, uh, with my bank account. Uh, I had a bank account with HSBC and sometimes they would send me letters and they, the letters asks me to reply within 14 days, but I get the letter 14 days later. So basically, when the letter comes here, it's already too late to reply. It's a, it's, this is how the system is built up against the people. It's all on purpose. It's absolutely on purpose. There is nothing there by accident, okay? It's exhausting for me. I have a job, I have a flat, I have friends and a boyfriend who help me. But imagine if I didn't have any of those things and I was having a suicidal episode. I still definitely need help. I still have serious depression and anxiety. But unfortunately, it's falling to my friends and my boyfriend to help me deal with it. I'm not getting any professional help. You just go around and round in circles. There is a barrier every step of the way. So why is the situation so dire? Uh, because the NHS in the UK uh, is having issues. So the number of mental health beds has fallen by 8,000 since 2010, forcing people to travel further to get the right care. But traveling further is not so simple for some people. It's not just, okay, for example, in my case, I can easily get on a bus and then a train and I can pretty much, I'm connected to everywhere. But if you live in a remote area and let's say you, you don't drive a car, then it's not so, it's not just a, a given to travel somewhere. Earlier this year, I spoke in parliament about con a constituent who was told the nearest available psychiatrist bed for her son was in West Sussex a 450-mile round trip from her home in Manchester. 450 miles, that's a very, very long distance. That, I mean, if you drive a car there, you obviously have to pay for the fuel and stuff like that. So you have to kind of think about the other things as well. So things are getting better, but it's a very incremental change and it's a slow change. And a lot of people are waiting for help and they're still gonna be waiting for quite a while. If you are in the UK, um, if you have depression, anxiety, PTSD, whatever, these type of uh, cases, uh, there are some numbers here that can help you. So please talk, try to talk to people. There are online groups that can help. There are uh, numbers you can call and actually talk to people. Sometimes just talking to somebody is, is good. Some people are so isolated and just don't talk to anybody. So try to talk to people. If you want to pause the video, go ahead and write them down. There is a second list here. It just continues. Again, this is just for the UK. But, you know, again, if you have some problems like that, try to seek help. Okay, that's all for today's show. I hope it was educational. I hope you learned something. I mean, that's the whole point of, of the show. Um, for first of all, it's to interact with people, hopefully. So, you know, there's a big chat window here. It's pretty funny. It's empty. Only one person is commenting all the time. And um, I just wanted to say, like, you're not alone. Um, some people really think that, you know, it's the end and there's nobody there. But the world has over 7 billion people and I just always feel that some people never meet the right people. We, we don't have this opportunity because, you know, how? What mechanism are you going to use to interact with other people, especially like strangers? Uh, but I think it's a shame because a lot of people have things to offer and 
there's just no opportunity to to meet each other so yeah i i don't know in conclusion i would say don't give up you're not alone uh, many people have these issues uh, there are certain ways to, to cope with it might work for you might not work for you but the more information you have the better so anyway I hope it helps and uh, next week there will be no shows because I have to edit a trailer for a movie and I really need time to do that so we'll be back in two weeks see you